It was a time when pro wrestling was a pop culture phenomenon. Talk about your songs, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Pay-per-view quality matches live on free TV every Monday night. Monday, July 6th. Back at the battle between WCW Monday Nitro and WWF Monday Night Raw. It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! What? It's me, Austin! It was me all along, Austin! This is Reliving the War with Simon Tackler and Nims Azul. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother! Welcome, everyone, to another huge edition of Reliving the War exclusively on the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network. It is the podcast where we go back and relive the Monday Night Wars, exactly what it says on the tin. My name is Nims Azor, joined as always by my co-host, Simon Tackler. And Simon, it is time for another WCW pay-per-view, which means it's something that you and I grew up with. And as we always do traditionally on a WCW pay-per-view, we get our buddy Owen in to live the war for the first time. But gentlemen, how are you going, Simon? I'll start off with you. Uh, what memories did this unlock? Uh, kind of none. I'm going to be honest. Watching this show, I went in with no memory of it. And then when it ended, I still had no memory of it. <laughs> like This pay-per-view is just there, especially considering last month we saw the commercial for it and it said, you know, Slamboree, the most important event in pro wrestling history. It definitely didn't live up to the standards they set. What about you, Owen? Now, this one is obviously, I'm guessing it's your first viewing and you're wearing the colors of the Wolfpack as well. So no doubt the red and black attack is back. <laughs> yes. Hello, boys. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, it, um, it was definitely a first viewing. I can tell you that much. Like, <laughs> I mean... We'll get into it, obviously, but it was a pretty good show. Like, from top to bottom, it wasn't too bad. Like, I feel like the wrestling overall was good compared to some of the last matches, like the, some of the last shows we've seen. Because some of the wrestling in the past few months has been pretty, like, rough. Yeah, it's been garbage, like, to say Yeah, big, yeah, hot steaming garbage. But I feel like the rest, like the actual wrestling on this show, was pretty good. Like I wasn't going to complain about it. Yeah, for for the era that it was, it actually like top to bottom. This I I, I thought there was a fair bit more story um, in these WCW pay per views as the Attitude Era sort of kicks off in the WWF. They they bring in a lot more of the personalities. There's a couple more. I don't want to say gimmicks, but they bring in a lot more of uh, like an undercurrent. Would you sort of say, Simon? Yeah, I guess so, because a lot of the early WCW pay-per-views that we watched were really just, you know, match, 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 and the only one that kind of had an angle was Jeff Jarrett and Mongo and the NWO, but now we're seeing yeah. more stories told throughout the show. Yeah, so let's get straight into the show, because all i got to say is it is a hell of an intro here. There is so much to unpack if you've never seen um, WCW at the time, and I thought it was actually pretty good. Because they lifted their game a little bit in the sense that, like, you sort of got a backstory of what happens. Because, like, so, Owen, going into this paper, what did you know about Slamboree, uh, this paper in particular? Um, I knew there was a Brett and Macho match. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew there was, like, a Hell in the Cell kind of gimmick. 
Mm. And I knew that. Well, oh, I knew that. I I knew that. Um, uh, that uh, Big Show and Sting tag together. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> yes. So there's actually a couple of things that you know. It, it's a pretty loaded sort of card in the sense that you got like a double main event, and the other one that really stood out, at least back in back in the day was that Vince McMahon was challenged by Eric Bischoff, but we'll get that in a bit. Um, now, you talk about you having pretty much zero to no memory here, Simon. Like for this, for me, first off, in watching this pay-per-view, it was crystal clear because I got this taped on like, so back in the day, I taped this off main event, but like copied off another tape. So a friend had taped it and I'd VCR to VCR on long play. So the first thing I think of like, man, this is such good quality because this pay-per-view was the return of Scott Hall, who is uh, having some personal troubles uh, for the past couple of months. But let's get into the actual pay-per-view now. It started off with Fit Finley versus Chris Benoit. Now, Mike Tanay is doing a real hype man job here. And this was a hell of a hard-hitting battle. You put these two guys together and Benoit and Finley, I reckon, were two of the most underrated dudes in WCW at the time. And I'll be honest, I, I kind of forgot that they had a little feud. I mean, what did you think of this one, Simon? Uh, okay, I'll be honest. Like, I know I kind of said I wasn't impressed with this pay-per-view. This opener, though, was fantastic. And I've, mm. well, you can go back and listen. I was never a big fan of Benoit's matches in 96 and 97. To me, I was kind of shocked. It always felt like he was good throughout the whole run. But looking back at it, he kind of gets better as it goes along. To me, we're mm. starting to see him really hit his stride because of course he was a great wrestler in you know the just strict sense of doing moves but by this point he's adding more personality on the Chris Benoit scale and there's a little bit more story to his matches I think Fit Finley was a great opponent because they slow things down a little bit they beat the absolute hell out of each other and yeah this match was good also a nice change of pace it's not a cruiserweight opening match it's something very very different um, the only thing that really shocked me though, Finley walked out with the TV title. Um, and to me, it was like, they said that he beat Booker T and I know Owen, mm-hmm. you keep asking us every month when there's the, does the Booker T push start? <laughs> it's honestly go, all I care about. <laughs> and there you go right there. What was weird. It's like who backstage looked at Booker T and fit Finley and no offense to Finley is awesome, but who was like, you know who we should push? Let's go with the old short Irish guy, you know? (laughs) And also, fun fact, wasn't it crazy? Did you guys pick up on where they said Fit got the nickname Fit from? Oh, my God, because he's fit? (laughs) Because he's fit and he skis and he rock climbs and he plays soccer and he plays rugby. Like, man, I want want the Discovery Channel, uh, you know, tourism show with Fit Finley doing adventures because that sounds fun. Could My you imagine Fit Finley hosting Getaway next to Katrina yeah. Roundtree? Absolutely. <laughs> My God, though. The amount of times, though, they mentioned that he played rugby. It's played like rugby. for a sport that, for the sport that no one knows in the States, <laughs> they kept going on and on and on about it. But um, Because so Americans, would, when they hear rugby, they don't really know what to picture. It's like when Homer in The Simpsons pitches ballet. And then he gets to the ballet. So what he thought. So maybe if they tell people rugby, it's like people fighting in a coliseum or something. So Owen, you're, you've been watching. Like you're pretty much when it out of the three of us, you're the sort of guy that knows the sort of the strong style, kind of real hard hitting Japanese sort of wrestling. 
this what did you, how did this stack up because this is a pretty hands-on hard-hitting battle between finley and benoit this was stiff with a capital oof like <laughs> like oh these boys were really just clubbing each other um I pretty, like, I pretty much just written like just an old school, like just old school pro wrestling. This one, like in terms of the ring psychology and the bit of the shenanigans, but also just like, oh, just mat wrestling with lots of biffo. And I really liked it. Um, uh, it's good to see that Chris Benoit still has no character whatsoever. <laughs> yep. Yeah. He's still the crippler. That's all he is. <laughs> yeah. Just the crippler. He is the Wolverine. Um, <laughs> But did you guys also notice um, that Tism was sitting front row for this match? <laughs> <laughs> the guys in the black, the guys in the black balaclavas. Oh man, things in the crowd. Sorry, before and- I forget, did you guys notice the sign in the crowd during this match? It said Goldberg say- beat him like a baby seal. My God. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that. It seems like every paper we do from 1998, we're just like, and it really was a different time, wasn't it? <laughs> I didn't all of a sudden, that. all of a sudden, those "I'd rather be in China" sounds—they yeah, uh, don't seem so bad. But all I'm going to say is, like, there are some brutal shots here. How about that chair shot by Finley after that suicide dive? Like that took oh. Benoit's head off. That was yeah. great because most people know that spot from the Royal Rumble 2002 with Jericho and Benoit in the um, ladder match. I didn't realize it yeah. had been done before. So cool. Obviously very damaging. Um, not a good idea, but anyway, it looks not good. a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> in retrospect, no good. But my question was, how was that not, not, not a DQ when the ref saw it? Yeah, I don't know. All I can say to that is WCW going to WCW. <laughs> actually, actually, you know what? Here's the logic in it because you would uh, it just triggered it. You would hear this defense sometimes because Finley didn't hit Benoit with the chair. He lifted the chair and Benoit dived in it because it's that same right. thing. How you're allowed to ram someone's head into the steps, but you can't ram the steps into their head. Into them, right? Look at this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I plead because, the fifth uh, lawyer tackler <laughs> because wrestling. Also, yeah. my, my main the main question that I wanted to pitch for this match was Booker T off to do his taxes. <laughs> oh my god. Booker T, <laughs> Booker T was the most smartly dressed you'll ever see. Him. Okay. A full base suit. Sorry, this is just for the guys, but I you guys need to be honest here. These are my notes. Owen, oh, that's so funny because look at this. Where is it? Uh, Booker, Booker T is outdressed. <laughs> Like he's ready to do someone. <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant. That is brilliant. We're on the yes. same wavelength. This is how you know that we've podcasted together for nearly five years. <laughs> same joke. So good. That's fantastic. What I what I've written down here too. Benoit gets disheveled by the by the appearance of Booker T. <laughs> he couldn't handle it. Gotta say though, like it was just full full beige, full Mm. beige, and the tie went down to like his waist. It was just impeccable. What I what I like to think is it's like so in WW in WWF No Mercy on Nintendo sixty four. Was this one of Booker T's uh, uh, tires? (laughs) No, no. Sadly, he wasn't in the (laughs) WWF at the time, but. Obviously, they there's a lot of people that didn't have a third attire, so they just put him in a referee outfit. Yeah. I reckon that this was just like, oh, what do I wear? What do I wear? I don't know. Uh, what other clothes do I have as he's going through his wardrobe? He's like, Harlem Heat stuff, Harlem Heat stuff, Harlem Heat stuff. 
I guess I could wear this. <laughs> but um, yeah, a tombstone by uh, Fit Finley finishes the match and a pretty a pretty good one to open yeah. us up. We then move on to our regular little internet spot with uh, Lee Marshall and some dude at the internet desk whose name I think is Chris Menangin. Is that it? According to Bobby Heenan? I missed it. Yeah, I but anyway, so... Um, Chris Jericho is there and Jericho is really coming into his own here. Like when you sort of see Jericho's bodywork, because you would have completely missed this sort of um, segment of Chris Jericho's character on um, obviously, because you know, you were a child at the time. <laughs> little babby, little, ba- little babby beardo. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what did you think of like seeing the evolution of Chris Jericho now that you've sort of seen him go from, you know, the smiling baby face to now the, the sort of conspiracy theory of the world's against me. Well, I mean, it's it was funny because, I mean, he was talking about conspiracies and then, like, you know, 25 years later, his wife storms the Capitol. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> and also, I like the fact, you know, you said you know, how, like, there's an evolution of Chris Jericho. Um, and, you know, it was also evol- evolving the little, uh, little, little sunroof on the top of his head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just getting all my gear out now. Um, but, like, no, I... I <laughs> I also all, all the gear that he got off, hence why he's so flabby now. <laughs> anyway, um, no, I actually really like this. Is like I was really vibing it, and I have a lot more notes when we get to when we get to the um the cruiserweight cruiserweight segment. battle roll. Yeah, because oh my god, um, no, I really enjoyed like this little segment, even though it was like only a couple of seconds, because he's just such a jerk. Yeah, like it's just so good. But like the whole, the very delusional thing too. I've I've always loved. Like you know, he's always thinks the crowd love him when he's just you know, they don't. A douche, but, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's yeah. I I really I actually really enjoy this segment, and also just Lee Marshall is just the best. I, I think we're also conditioned now to to have Jericho like mid sentence stop and talk about Omaha steaks or something. So it is nice <laughs> and, and refreshing to not see him do that. But uh we'll that get is not that is, that's good to hear Nims, but let me talk about street meats. <laughs> exactly. Uh and you know uh before we get to our next match, it's great that you mentioned comfort because I want to talk about me undies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh we'll get to our next match which is Brian Adams versus Lex Luger. And the first note I've put Simon is crush dot 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 again yeah Yeah. i wrote here even in 1993 this match would have sucked in the wwe like the narcissist versus kona crutch kona crush um crush like why is crush still around why is he still around and paul x luger one of the most over guys of 97 in either promotion is now in the second match wrestling crush what a fall from grace I couldn't even pay attention to this match, and I love Lex Luger. Oh my god! Yeah, Can my I... sec my second note is Lex Luger hard eyes. Like we yeah. all know how much, like my my character plot in this whole podcast was in 1996. Going, I hate Lex Luger. To now going, I'm in love with Lex Luger. That's <laughs> yeah. my whole plot line. <laughs> my 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 um note that I've put is Tony Schiavone impressed by the pyro and the entrance of Crush. Uh, and then I've just got down Lex Luger and Brian Adams wrestling like it's a 1991 episode of WWF Superstars. <laughs> it, without all the fake cheering edited in, this match is yeah. not good. There is really nothing to say except for the ending when Lex Luger does his torture act and I had to rewind it and watch it again because the commentators lost their minds and they were like, oh my God, he's never done the rack that way. And all he did was a torture act. 
What, what yeah. did you guys notice anything different about it? No, absolutely not. I've just written down here: Luger gets the win after Iraq and the chicken dance, short but sweet, <laughs> and Tony Schiavone's commentary average here. <laughs> It's on the decline, to be honest. 1998 you know, onwards, it's... You know what was average? That pile drive that Brian Adams hit on Lex Luger because he's hit oh, yeah. all of the canvas. Yeah, and it was hell of a pile there. driver there. <laughs> it was depressing. Um, but did you guys... I want to just... Real, I just want to hit the um the double rewind button for a second. We'll skip back fast. Um, the little twerp. At, of the kid, just as the match was starting, that he had like little like stick arms and he was like flexing in his NWO, just like me, like just flexing little stick arms in his Wolfpack shirt. That kid really annoyed me for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were too. paying attention to the match. Yeah. I didn't even see him. I didn't, yeah, uh, this, I was... Was Drew, this, this was during entrances. Oh. <laughs> Tell you um, what, you remember how Owen oh, you you were you were saying like there was like a three minute Lex Luger match or whatever it was that felt like twenty minutes. This felt like an Iron Man match watching this thing. <laughs> I was just like, and I know it didn't go for that long. And you can tell like, so I paid more attention to commentary than I did the match because because Brain was on fire. We, we got to say it from the start, <laughs> but I think this may have been Bobby like Bobby Heenan's best show. Like he was I killing agree. me, and. Because he said something about, uh, I can't remember, they were trying to find out if someone had arrived at the arena yet. And Bobby Heenan goes, I don't know. Shivani goes, how did you know that? And then Heenan goes, I sent my runner. And then Shivani goes, how come you get a runner and we don't? And Bray just replies, I'm the brain. I <laughs> pop for that so big, <laughs> like so big. That's been but one I'm of the good awesome. things about doing this show. I think it's shown us all that Bobby Heenan's WCW commentary was still really good. It was just different. Very much so. And another cool thing too um, that I love, and he always has in every match, he's got a great one-liner there. But um, yeah, this match, just absolutely forgettable. And speaking of forgettable, the next thing that follows it is a promo by Perry Satin, where it just looks like he's channeling Raven and doing a poor imitation of it as well. The most robotic promo ever. <laughs> they were trying to give him a character. I know it wasn't great. I also didn't <laughs> realize he left the flock so quick, to be honest. I, I didn't thought, realize that either. I thought this was especially a since he's story. talking. Yeah, but especially since he's basically being Raven now. Yeah, he's like the other Raven. Although I will say, like, I don't know if you guys remember where this angle goes. This is kind of a cool story. I think Raven's run, looking back at it, has been pretty entertaining, and I'm excited for the next chapter where he moves on from DDP to Saturn. It's kind of good. Mm. It's it's not bad, but then we get to probably one of the highlights of uh, the Slamboree 1998. It's the Cruiserweight Battle Royal. Now, Chris Jericho, uh, first off, he berates uh, David Penza and then does all of the introductions to every participant. And uh, I'll, I'll go the, through some of my... It's the best. It is the absolute best, but I'll go through some of my favorite lines that he's tossed out. Like, Damien comes out... Damien can't afford a mask. He uses paint. El Dandy looks like Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, the, the direct quote, the winner of the Lou Ferrigno lookalike contest, El yeah. Dandy. So good. Had another me. one. Another one. Uh, Marty Gennetti who comes out and then he just goes rock, rock till he drops. <laughs> and and my personal favorite, Silver King. And if, ah, he, yes. wins, and if he wins 12 more matches, 
he gets upgraded to golden key. <laughs> How I I love oh, what was oh, I can't I can't remember the guy's name. I never heard of him. The guy from Minnesota. And he was like, and he, and then Joker was like, he's like, can I have my lover boy tape back? And I, <laughs> it's the most niche reference, but it was so, so good. Um, no, it was amazing. It was and even so with Villano, the best thing. Where he said Villano five representing Villano's one through four. Like, four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's it just goes to show like how good Chris Jericho was in WCW and how much much like Booker T they just went and snoozed on him but uh it's this is very much a job at Battle Royale and um all I could think of was so if you look at the Rockers career uh, tra- trajectory so Shawn Michaels main event at WrestleMania 14 with Stone Cold Steve Austin Marty Jannetty is in a Battle Royale working Villano <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's just, it's a strange one. But yeah, so it's a pretty ho-hum, like, kind of match here. It's, there's a lot going on. The final four is Kidman, Juventud Guerrero, Psychosis, and Ciclope. And that basically just says everything else about the other competitors there. Yeah. Um, I would just like to make two mentions before we head into the actual match. Match. Um, one of my favorite lines of the night, again, was from Brain. When, um, uh, when Shivani goes, are you kidding me? And Brain goes, no, Kidman's in the ring. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so dumb. Um, and then did you guys, like, like very early on in the match, when, like, everyone was in the match, like, Nick Patrick was was refereeing. He was, like, you know, just, like, slipping and sliding, like, through the ring. Like, through the ring. It, it reminded me of when you're walking through Berkshire Mall on the 23rd of December. And you're just, like, you know, <laughs> flipping through the crowd and trying to weaving. That's exactly and diving. Ducking exactly and diving through, uh, and the other part too, you just remind me talking about Billy Kidman because he always did that weird scratchy thing that he does. I love how Chris Jericho and his entrance calamine lotion, the calamine lotion, <laughs> <laughs> such a good line. But yeah, so we get to the final two, which is Ciclope and Hoover to Guerrero. Um, Hoover eliminates himself to have Ciclope reveal himself to be Dean Malenko, and the crowd is absolutely hot for Malenko. And, Man, where do we even start with this match, guys? Because this this is an absolute barnstormer. This match rules. Yeah, great story. That pop that Malenko got is gigantic. We kept we kept saying how over he was, especially in '96. The crowd still loved Dean Malenko for whatever reason. He's one of the best guys in this WCW run. He's back for revenge. Jericho has been trashing him and his family and everything else for months. What a great shock because he gets his Cruiserweight Championship match right now. And you know what? One thing I I guess this is one thing I kind of remembered from the pay-per-view, but I remembered it differently. I really thought this was going to be a two-second squash match. I thought Dean Malenko pretty much just hits the powerbomb, the cloverleaf. I was actually pleasantly surprised that they had a bit of a match here and a pretty good match too. And Jericho actually, like, you know, gets a fair bit of offense in. And it mm. makes sense, too, because Dean Malenko's just been in a battle royal. And not only that, too, he's, best, he's been in a battle royale dressed as Cyclope. That's right. He's not used to dressing like a pumpkin or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, look, Jericho goes through his greatest hits as well. You got the little cocky pin from him as well. And conspiracy theory Jericho is one of my favorite Jerichos in, uh, in WCW. But uh, um, what did you think of this match, on? Loved it. I reckon it's probably one of my favorite WC W matches I've seen, like 
since joining the podcast. Mm. Um, it was just really great. Um, I think it was probably their best match together out of the run that I've seen. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd go as far as saying agree? that that was probably true, yeah. Yeah, and then um, especially when you take it as a whole segment too with the reveal and the battle royal and everything, yeah, it's like five yeah. stars. Oh, amazing. Um, and then I really popped for the guy in the crowd wearing the Bad Brains shirt. That was kind of cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I was very like looking at the crowd this this show. Um, yeah, like I said, it was a very heartfelt because didn't his, did his father like recently pass away or something? Like Maliko's father recently passed away around that time or? Well, he was getting... They kept he, mentioning that his dad had died. Yeah, and Jericho was using that for heel heat as well. So I think so. Because, you know, it was a very heartfelt win, you know, Malenko dedicating it to his dad and looking up at the sky and going, that one's for you, all while dressed as a pumpkin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really just takes the heat out of that one, doesn't it? My, uh, just to get a bit inside baseball here, I always wondered, like, you know, every even after I watched his match, I'm like, did Cyclope, did Dean approach Cyclope? Did Cyclope have to put in like the papers to like apply for the battle royale? Like, what are the the admin and logistics <laughs> if you want to pretend to be Cyclope? <laughs> did Dean Malenko jump Cyclope in the in in the car park and steal his gear bag? Well, clearly Dean Malenko and the Luchadors have got a very good relationship because <laughs> him and Hoovy basically is like, hey, you know, it's actually me, Dean Malenko, not Cyclope. And Hoovy's like, oh, well, if that's the case, good luck, man. <laughs> Takes his um, briefcase, takes his briefcase, knocks up, punches the card out early, jumps over the rope. Um, we'll get to our next little segment here because uh, the cage lowers for the next match, but we cut to the Vinnie Mac cam. Now, this is something that's going to be a pretty constant thing. We oh, see yeah. a white limo that uh, Doug Dillinger uh, goes and inspects, and once again, Bobby the Brain Heenan has the line of the evening too, where he just sort of goes. Yes, Doug, that's a car. <laughs> and that's the back of the car, too. But Tony Schiavati also has a really cutting line for JR there saying that if Jim Ross jumps out uh, carrying the bags, carrying out Vince's bags, we know it's him. Oh, man, Tony Schiavati just being the puppet to say some of this crap in this era really is annoying, isn't it? Looking back. Um, this was so weird. Not only the Vinnie Mac cam, we didn't mention it earlier, but when the commentators were doing the intro to the show, they spoke for like five minutes. And when they cut backstage to Doug Dillinger, you know, looking for Vince McMahon, did you see they even made Vince a VIP backstage pass with his photo yeah. on it? And oh there were a God. bunch of jabroni fans like backstage. Oh <laughs> I only say that. We're all wrestling fans. But these guys looked like the saddest sack of fans that I've ever seen hanging around waiting mm. for Vince. And they were like, they Where look are like you, Vince? It was, oh. They look like the fans you see at Crown Towers whenever the WWE are Melbourne. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They're the fans that um that are literally like, you know, that Sasha Banks at the airport, uh Brock Lesnar guy sort of ones. But yeah, it was <laughs> they're it the just, fans just... that the person on the other end of the conversation pitches you looking like if you were on Tinder and you said, I like wrestling, that's what yeah, pops yeah. into their head. Yeah. There's a reason why wrestling fans have a weird stigma and that's that reason. <laughs> but um, anyway, we all like wrestling. <laughs> we do love it. And uh, God bless them. And no doubt they're living fulfilling lives as we speak, immortalized on the network and possibly blurred in future uh, WWE 2K games. <laughs> 
So we get to our next match, which is a Bowery death match, or more accurately, a WWF SmackDown 2 on PlayStation 1 Hell in a Cell match uh, between <laughs> DDP and Raven. Uh, old school OG fans of SmackDown 2 will understand exactly what I mean. So it's basically a cage match with a lid. So a mini Hell in a Cell there. And um, DDP coming out in an alternate costume with black taped up ribs, which is a nice touch. And uh, did you happen to notice a brief ECW chant in the crowd as Raven entered? I didn't notice that. What town were they in? Let me just have a look. That was, it was uh, like Boston, Mass. wasn't it? Yeah, that yeah, was Worcester, Worcester Mass. Okay. Big but it ECW was like, town, maybe. no, but I'm getting, it sounded like it was piped in. Like that's how, oh, that's that's how little those chants were. Yeah. I thought, but, there, um, was, there, was Char- I thought there was Charvo chants. Or maybe they were the ECW ones. That would be weird. Why would they be chanting Chavo? Why wouldn't, you be, chanting, why wouldn't <laughs> you be chanting Chavo, Simon? They were just barely expecting... Chavo in Chavo matches. <laughs> they were just really shocked that the cage was coming down. It's like, oh, I thought it was Ultimo and Eddie now. Jeez. <laughs> Um, so now there, there are basically garbage cans on all four corners of the uh, ring. And, uh, if Dusty Rhodes was on commentary, he'd be saying they're full of thunder. Um, but, um, like I say, like th- th- this was a pretty wacky match. Like I, I f- you write something Raven's matches are completely underrated in WCW. Like he's completely overlooked because everyone remembers just the NWO and the cruiserweights. This run, I'm going to say this. The, the three big matches with DDP, which were the, the street fight last month, the triple threat with Benoit involved as well, and now this one. Match this was a great three-match sort of three-month angle that Raven and DDP had. And what a way yeah. to end it. I actually love this match again. Love it. Uh, yeah, again, great. DDP has had one of the best matches on the show, and Raven as well right up there. They beat the crap out of each other. And I know WCW never got as violent as the WWE because of, you know, um, standards and practices. Standards and and practices. But Mm. there is some brutality in this match. There's a moment when DDP hangs Raven with a bull rope off one of the, like a truss off the roof of Mm. the cage. He just straight up hangs him. None of that big boss man, Undertaker, hidden, uh, you know, like Carolina on his back. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hey, just hung him, man. Yeah, it wasn't good. Well, at one point in time, a VCR is used as a weapon, like an oh, actual oh VCR. God. It's crazy. It just yeah. gave me flashbacks of when Crackjack got brain damage in 2017. <laughs> we know how dangerous they can be. Well, I also like Brain's commentary when he was like, for those of you recording this at home, pick up the VCR set and hit the ugliest guy in the room with it. That- <laughs> I miss that. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but this is this was fantastic. I I love this match, and I always love the appearance. You forget how many times a stop sign is used in WCW in nineteen ninety eight, don't you? And do you reckon the guys dressed as Tism would say Greg at the stop sign? <laughs> Very nice. I also <laughs> want to explain though. This match wasn't just a cage match, Bowery death match in a cage, or however they phrased it. So it was like the other version of a. Texas death match where it's basically a last man standing. So this was like gimmicks on gimmicks on gimmicks. It was hardcore. Mm. It was a cage and you had to beat the guy with a 10 count. Very, very cool. But it, but it didn't get convoluted at all. No, I don't no. think 
it, even it, with the flop, it, 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 it kind of it, it ran quite seamlessly, I think, and that's why that's I've I've this I've really enjoyed this match yeah. because like when you normally have a faction match in WCW, it just ends up ends up in shenanigans with like you know oh out comes oh out comes half the locker room, but because I don't know there's something about the flop that just made it. They knew how to do interference right, and it made sense. Not just like, oh, great, here's the flock again, da 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 da. But no, this was really, really good. And um, at the end of it, even flow DD, uh, DDT, DDP gets out of it. It's it's a, that was a stretch to say, um, but um, two diamond cutters puts um Raven away, gets the clinical win there, which I thought was pretty damn cool, and. Speaking of diamond cutters, can we just have a quick mention to the one that DDP gave Billy Kidman? Because, oh my God, it was quite possibly the best diamond cutter ever. It's up there. It's a forgotten one. I didn't remember it. So Kidman is hanging. I've never seen it before. Yeah. And he he swung him over and kind of caught him. It was so good. Fantastic. It was. It's almost as good as the one he did on on Eddie when he um, reversed the Rana into the into the diamond cutter because it was so so good um also before we get to the finish teams really quick shout out to brain again because he goes stick around after 11 p.m we're having a garage sale where everything is a buck 95 (laughs) (laughs) he was was truly in fine form he was in fine form tonight but yeah so post-match we see one of the riot squad guys uh he basically starts handcuffing the flock like all of the flock members just get handcuffed and which leads to another great line by brains. Like you can't have enough handcuffs. I've always said that. <laughs> Ooh. I do and want to say ro- though, one other thing that I found interesting. So, you know, there's like a riot squad to keep the flock out, but the flock breakthrough. And then someone comes out to help the riot squad beat up the flock. And it was Van Hammer. Similar, Van Hammer, to, yeah. similar to Saturn leaving the flock earlier than I remembered. I don't remember Van Hammer ever leaving the flock. I don't remember him doing anything else. Does this literally go nowhere after this? No, Van Hammer still does stuff, but See? you could have finished that you could have finished that sentence by going, I don't remember Van Hammer <laughs> full stop. Because like he 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 was just like you know how they always used to do that. Like WCW used to always pose questions and never give them answers like who drove the white hammer and stuff like that it was always just like there's Van Hammer. He got involved at Slamboree. And he's just beaten Sarge. All yeah, right. Here's yeah, our next segment later on. Later on, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I don't think anything came off it, but um, yeah, he was still a bit, a, I didn't say a big part of Nitro, but a part of Nitro <laughs> moving forward. I'll tell you what Van Hammer almost did. He almost killed a fan with a stop sign because he like swung it back and I, it came so close to just like <laughs> slicing a fan in like across the face. <laughs> Terrifying. So the, as, um, as the, the flock members are being uh, strung up. Also, Raven is also just completely like I'm talking crucifix style. He's strung up like, and um, the right squad member takes off the mask to be Mortis, who then double pulls the mask off to be Chris Canyon, and he He's... completely swings from the f- like, like oh home run God. on Raven. It is the worst chair shot I've ever seen in my life. Like. Oh, I, I don't even have words for it. I, I was sitting in Melbourne Central this morning, drinking my morning coffee, watching this as I was getting, as I was just hanging around before I went to work. And I audibly went, ha! 
like it's so bad. Like just, I'm surprised Ravens alive. That was terrifying. Yeah, and in 2000, this was clearly Undertaker's chair shot on Canyon in 2003 on SmackDown. It was clearly a receipt for this one. <laughs> but I was going to say, forget the context and the controversy surrounding that moment or whatever you think of it. Everyone talks about the chair shot that Canyon took from the Undertaker, but it's not like he wasn't willing to dish it out either. Because, gee, <laughs> yeah, dude. Also, can we talk about the difference? I can't believe on a show you would book two mask unveilings back to back. That just seems like a dumb idea because Malenko's one was, you know, 10 out of 10. This one, if we're just going on the big reveal, nobody knew or cared who Chris Canyon was, you know? It basically got no reaction. He wasn't even facing hard cam side. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was kind of like, who's that? Yeah, you're right. They had, to do, on the, they had to do they had to do it on the roving cam. Um, but I also love the fact that um that he did the double sting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh Out comes the too. right game. Oh my god, it's Mortis. And underneath Mortis's mark is the guy that was in the concession stand on Nitro. Ho- yeah. Shivani came saying he was a hot dog vendor last week. <laughs> yeah, that's like, oh, of course. That's nice. Can I have one with mustard and cheese, please? Yeah. Like yeah, so, so clearly the backstory there is Mortis is so uh, annoyed that he can't be in the flock that he's then unmasking himself to make Raven's life living hell. So mm. it, it's a strange little story there, but um, we'll get on to our next. Um, thankfully, though, for Canyon, uh, like it does get better for him in WCW. Like he's part of the Jersey triad with um, Bam Bam Bigelow and DDP later on. And of course, my favorite run, him as positively Canyon, which is the best thing that he's done. In I guess this but yeah, then we get back to long-term storytelling. Him and DDP, you know, were tied together yeah. from the start. So <laughs> uh, we get to another Vinny Mac cam, and security have photos of uh, the Vince McMahon, Stone Cold, Undertaker, and did you notice X Park on that <laughs> sheet as well? <laughs> that one makes sense. He might try Still- and come back. You gotta know, like that's such a rib. Like you know that they were just like put X Pac on there too, <laughs> yeah. just so people know. Uh, um, yeah. I'm then we get. Surprised to- I didn't have a FedEx driver as well. <laughs> we then get we then get some obvious stock CCTV footage, which I like how Tony Schiavone has to sort of dial out of by going, "Oh, everyone must be at Slamboree because the streets are deserted." <laughs> I also love how he was doing like full on like play by play of it too. Mm, mm. Well, I guess they kind of had to because so we see Saturn with Tony the Tiger and uh, Lee Marshall at the internet <laughs> thing and he sort of ends it abruptly and walks off and then it goes back to the announce table because clearly they're still mopping up after the SmackDown 2 Hell in a Cell match. <laughs> they had plenty of time to kill here. And you know what, yeah. man? Some of these announcer segments that they do go for really, really long. Like there Such is so a stop much, down, isn't it? Yeah, the stop downs between matches. I think we've worked it out why WWE shows kind of feel faster paced because they do not stop for things like this for as long as WCW would. Yeah, it's it's just it's a, an absolute momentum killer, but especially too when the next match has like actual high stakes attached to it. Ultimo Dragon versus Eddie Guerrero with Chavo Guerrero. Now if Ultimo Dragon wins. Chavo is free from his uncle. Um, it's not one of the more cra- craziest ones. There was also the uh, Jeff Jarrett match in TNA 
with um, versus Kurt Angle, where if Kurt wins, then Jarrett gets uh, he gets access to the kids, and if Jarrett wins, Karen gets access to the kids. It was it's just so bizarre. So it's really a sliding scale. But I thought this was actually a surprisingly slow match. Really? Okay, I actually like this one. I thought the wrestling at the start um, was very good. Although I can see where the momentum gets taken out of it, and it does sort of sort of stop in a slower pace for the rest of it. At one point, they're doing all these great reversals on the mat going back and forth. Then you hear the crowd roar and the wrestlers don't know why. They slow down. And then if you look to the left of your screen, there was an overweight guy and everyone was cheering him to take off his shirt. And he got the (laughs) biggest pop of the match by a mile. And I think it just rattled the guys and they never really got the momentum back. Yeah, I, I, it's not. This is the thing. It's not a bad match, but I think people were expecting something else. Possibly. What did you think of this one, Owen? Because um, first off, got to put it out there: heel WCW Eddie, something else here. He's just fantastic. And although there is a great line that happened that I had to I had to really write down because Tony Schiavone says, "What we're seeing here is a wrestling match." Of course we are, Tony. It's a three-hour pay-per-view, mate. <laughs> um. I really like this match. I think it might be the old one out here. No, I, I thought, it was, and, and it's probably because you know, they're like these two guys are in my top ten of wrestling. So, I mean, I was always gonna love it, but um, no, I really, I just really, really liked it. Um, it's also wild to me that Eddie and Chavo are only two years apart in age. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, um, but I also love the. Um, also, you know, you you mentioned the the fan who had his sign ripped in half. He had a backup sign because <laughs> when they went to the floor and, and they went to the ramp later in the match, he had the same sign in one whole piece again. Ooh, the guy's a worker and bought a backup sign oh, or he was supplied by WCW. Oh, I was going to say, was he a plant? I reckon he was a plant because yeah, because he ripped it clean in half yeah. and then they go back to him and it's a full it's a full on same sign again. So, or, or if video games from that era have taught me, there is actual multiple of the same <laughs> signs and that same guy in the crowd just repeated over and over doing this. <laughs> or it was just a dodgy edit from like a B grade movie where like the same, where it's like back in there again. Well, um, if you've seen the wrestling, you know, wrestling secrets exposed from this era that, you know, kind of went viral. It, in that sense of its time. Remember mm-hmm. they spoke about how the fans had signs given to them when they walk into the, yeah. the arena. So maybe he and just like went the... back to the, the concession stand and was like, do you have another Eddie suck sign or whatever? And, you know, just yeah. grabbed another one. And then there was, it was also the other one of like, you know, like, you know, turns out that grandma ain't a real grandma. Yeah. <laughs> the stunt granny. Um, but, um, but- I tell you what, though, like with with the amount of chain and lucha stuff going on, two thousand and twenty wrestling fans would eat this shit up, wouldn't they? Like the crowd, the crowd weren't grasping at it for a lot of the time. No, they really like, weren't. But like tw- two thousand and twenty two fans, oh my god, they would lose their mind over this. See, match. I don't know. That's why I like. I think I Dean think Malenko would, yeah. would win them over in ninety six, and the crowds would go nuts. I actually think, and no disrespect, I actually think he's good. So many of his matches have been good that we've seen. But Ultimo Dragon, I don't think kind of is 
that over anymore by this point in 98 because he doesn't no, really win anymore. Yeah. He, you know, he doesn't have Sonny Ono and, you know, the eight title belts. He doesn't really feel like he's ever going to win anymore. No. No, he's, he's, he's sort of, a, he's, he's a bit player here because even as, and he's on the tail end out because remember the cruiserweights all band together as the Latino world order and stuff like that. So um, uh, we should point out too that um, there's an awesome reversal of the Dragon Sleeper by Eddie Guerrero. Oh, it was Dragon. so good. Mm-hmm. And um, Eddie goes for the pin, feet on the ropes. Chavo gets involved, kicks Eddie's feet off the ropes. And then Chavo gets drilled by Ultimo Dragon, which then leads to a frog splash to get the win. Chavo completely snaps after the match too. Yeah, and that froggy, like, it was just all on Dragon's face. Hmm. <laughs> it was just all on his face. But um, that slap that Eddie gave Chavo, oh, my Lord. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> Their performances post-match were better than the match, though. Eddie and Chavo were so good here because Chavo has snapped and, you know, he doesn't kind of know how to react and Eddie's kind of shocked at Chavo. And, yeah, their chemistry is fantastic here. It's brilliant, yeah. And and I think that's what a lot of people were sort of expecting, like, because they're so used to Eddie being, like, I, don't know, I guess not a lot of chain and mat wrestling there, but yeah, it was really, really cool to see. Ed, Eddie also does a nice little bit at the end where he challenges Chavo to hit him. Like he gets on his knees and puts his hand behind his back. Like, come on, take a shot. And which is pretty cool. But um, we then get a, a, a quick little snapshot of Vince McMahon's locker room. He's got the star there and everything like that. And this is really getting indulgent, isn't it? Like it's, it's also kind of scummy that they kind of, I don't care what they say that, oh, no, it was uh, just implying it. They kind of, there had to have been people who ordered this pay-per-view thinking yep. Vince McMahon was going to show up. And they well, never really the tell the you that it's not going to happen, you know? Yeah. Although it is a bit like the the old, um, it's the agile wrestling thing. So I remember in 2005 when Matt Hardy left um, uh, WWE, TNA put like, there was a, a, a TNA paper like the day afterwards and they were, and they said, we just want to put it out there. Matt Hardy will not show up to our pay-per-view. <laughs> so they, so they told the fans, Matt Hardy's not going to be here. So obviously everyone thinks, well, oh, Matt Hardy's clearly going to show up and he doesn't. Yeah. He can't win. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you damn if you do, damn if you know there. Um, we get to our next match, which is Saturn versus Goldberg. Now Saturn is out first. Goldberg, I reckon, would you agree with me, Simon? He's about ninety-seven percent complete with all, his uh, with his shtick. All he's missing is the the walk from the locker room, but everything else is there. I think once Goldberg has the U.S. title, which he has here, that's Goldberg. Like he's got the U.S. title, he's got the pyro, he's doing the punches and the kicks to the pyro, all of that stuff. This is Goldberg, and goddamn, was he over? Yeah, but he's still. I said the reason I say ninety-seven is because he doesn't stand there in the pyro and sort of do the breathe the oh, fire, and they do the bang. Yeah, it's true. He didn't breathe out the smoke, but everything else is there. I love everything this else. Match as well. This was good. Maybe yeah. this show was better than I thought. Well, this is actually a Goldberg does his greatest hits here, but it's actually a longer Goldberg match than what we're normally yeah. accustomed to. And WCW sort of, I guess that's a testament to Saturn because Saturn got a great match out of him with the last paper we watched as well. And uh, Saturn actually gets some offense in as well. It's not just a complete squash. 
Well, I do remember saying last episode that I would watch a six-month program with these two guys. So, and I, I, yeah, I, I, I keep, I will say that again. This match was great. I don't have, I don't, I don't have many notes from this match because I love it so much. Yeah, it was, it was. I was watching it. Um, the 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 go home spots were awesome, like just so good. I, this is going to sound so controversial, but I hated the the little chair, like the catch the spear thing. <laughs> oh, you didn't like How it? I thought it was cool. Dare you? No, do you know, so cool. I like. Do you know why I hated it? Because what what move was Perry Satin doing? The, like what was he the doing? Flying he, nothing, you know. Yeah, the <laughs> the flying catcher spear <laughs> exactly. because. And especially afterwards, when they showed it in slow motion, yes, it's it's a cool visual, but it's it's like like the difference between like you know Jeff Jar- uh, Jeff Hardy hanging off the ropes in TLC two and Edge spearing him. That makes sense. This is just such a. I know uh, I sound like Jim Cornette. But... Come on, how many times have we seen Randy Orton catch guys who are going for nothing, like a move they true, would yeah. never do? You know what's going to work on Randy Orton? What if I jump at him head first with my arms by my side? That'll get him. <laughs> yeah, it will. <laughs> One of these yeah, but, but no, it is a very cool move because he does because it's a cool visual. It's just not as cool when it's shown in slow motion by the WCW replay afterwards. They catch the worst angle to make it look less impactful than it was. Although, you know what was awesome in the replay? So Goldberg was so jacked up from the pop that he got from the the chair spear. He stood up and did his taunt where he throws his legs out and he stomped the chair and broke it in half by stepping on it. That was the best Mm. part of the match. (laughs) Because did you also, did you wow, also see Mickey J kind of like Mickey <laughs> J is kind of like um, what do I do with this? Yeah, just stomp the chair in half. So very, very cool there. Um uh, Goldberg Jack Hammer into the win there. Um Raven then appears in an ad for the Great American Bash. I think that pretty much covers it, really. Uh, which is the next pay-per-view. Then we get to Eric Bischoff versus Vince McMahon. Now, Michael Buffett does the intro here. And oh. I want to ask. I want to ask you something. Do you think that they've overdubbed the music for Eric Bischoff? I thought that when his music hit, because I didn't know what was happening. I thought, whose music is this? And yeah, it yeah. felt wrong. I don't know what music Bischoff would have had if they did dub it. Plus the, I reckon it probably would have been like a licensed song because Eric Bischoff, being Bischoff at the time, was just like, oh, I absolutely love Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, so I'm going to come out to that. Could he have used because like child like Hogan would have at the time? Maybe because he's no. kind of Hogan's guy. I don't know. No, because they still they still leave Rudy Child in the uh, in the network edits, and it's just because the crowd seemed really subdued. So uh, might we want to dig up the old VCR and consult my old uh, long play tape? <laughs> Although the sound quality was probably pretty poor, but yeah. So um, Vince's name, which I thought was pretty funny, when they when Michael Buffer announces Vincent Kennedy McMahon gets the biggest boo in the arena, which I thought was a nice touch. It's interesting to think that Mm. it's a WCW crowd, so they actually hate Vince McMahon as well, Mm. you know? Crazy. Also, one thing I will will absolutely give WCW a pat on the back, kudos to everyone for actually buying in with a straight face that Vince McMahon is going to come. 
Well, you hear some of the old timers and they're like, oh, Vince was thinking about it. No, he wasn't. He was never going to do this. And they're like, oh, you know, if he shows up, he's going to beat you up. Like, I don't think it was ever going to happen. Yeah, that was that was not going to happen one bit. But um, let's actually get to the meat and potatoes of uh, this pay-per-view because next up we have Bret Hart versus Macho Man Randy Savage. And first things first, did Michael Buffer say that Bret Hart was wearing purple? Yes, he did, and I wanted to throw something okay, at good. my TV. <laughs> also, okay. can, can we appreciate that? My, that Michael Buffer probably made like seven million dollars from this. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, wrote that, I wrote that down too. I read yeah, our, our boy, our, our boy earned his paycheck, and he earned a real good one too. Could you think re- of anything worse for Bret Hart though? Like, has, his WCW run is such a joke that they don't even get it right. What color he's famous for? Yeah, black and pink. wearing purple. <laughs> yeah. he's, can, he's not Prince. Think, can, he wears, He's not famous <laughs> for purple. He's famous for. Can pink. I just? Can I just have it on record so the viewers know? The genuine disgust on Simon's face is a shoot. Oh, it's so, like, like he's hot about he's shoot hot about this. If you but close also... your eyes and picture Bret Hart, you ju- only picture pink. Like it's literally yeah. question one. Describe Bret Hart. The first thing someone would say is like, "Oh, doesn't he wear pink?" Like, oh yeah, yeah. It's it's part of his entire moniker: the pink and black attack. <laughs> it's all, it's not black and pink. It's, it's pink, pink and, and black. black. But um, the other thing too that I that like you you talk about like how much he, Michael Buffer butchers Brett uh Brett Hart like in later paper doesn't he refer to him as Brett the Hitman Clark he he does <laughs> he he also butchered it here because I rewound this I don't know if you guys noticed it so I'm glad we're not moving on yet during his introduction hmm. not only did he say that Brett Hart is, Brett Hart is wearing purple on his intro he said he is the Hitman. Brett. And that was it. <laughs> He's the hitman, Brett. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, so also it's a nice touch that Bret Hart, now in a heel sort of persona, goes back to wearing the 1997 Survivor Series sort of style attire. Like, I like those little touches that Bret Hart obviously thinks of. But um, Rowdy Roddy Piper comes out, and you want to talk about how, like, completely... Michael Buffer butchers Bret Hart. Well, he goes completely the opposite direction with Macho Man Randy Savage because every single adjective or synonym you can think of that has to do with madness or being mad or he's crazy. Randy Savage gets it like the full dictionary. Which does lead me to believe that he was paid by the word. He was paid by the letter. He goes for certain guys. For Randy Savage, Roddy Piper, and Hulk Hogan, Michael Buffer has their whole introduction set. For everyone else, he couldn't care less. Yeah. Um, Also, nice use of the cough button there, Nims. Um, I really... I I must say that my first... One of my first notes of this match is... And I feel like you guys will pop for it. This heel isn't as cool as WWF heel brand. Yeah. 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 This this is Eric Bischoff. Because heel WWF Brett was really cool. Yeah. Like he was a really cool heel. 
And this yeah. is, he just sucks. This is Eric Bischoff saying, don't worry, we have heel Bret Hart as well. <laughs> yeah, but it's the black and gold version that you get from Bilo. It's the black and purple version that you, you know, you get from nowhere. <laughs> also, can I just, what was interesting about this match, Roddy Piper is the special referee for a Bret Hart match. I zoned out at parts of this match. It was pretty good, but I kept looking at Piper <laughs> thinking, man, he's now been the referee for three Bret Hart matches on pay-per-view in the span of three three years. It's kind of weird. He's like Bret's special referee. And just for fun, can you guys name the other two matches? Bit of trivia. No, I've got no. Actually, yeah, you you weren't born, Owen. (laughs) (laughs) Bret Bret versus Bruce Hart at Stampede. (laughs) (laughs) The The main event of WrestleMania 10. Piper was the ref for Yokozuna and Brett. And then oh, there you go. WrestleMania 11, I quit match against Bob Backlund. And he's the referee again here. Don't know what it is about Piper being Brett's ref, but there you go. I can believe we got the WrestleMania 11, not the match, but the pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not a good um, show. Can we just appreciate Piper just looking like a re- it, 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 like repping his cool dad attire for WCW and WO? The Tasmanian like, surely this Devil was like his like rod shirt. Oh man, he looked he he looked like a cool dad from the nineties. Had the jeans on, he had the t shirt <laughs> tucked into the jeans. He was like super jacked. Like man, like I remember I remember my old man from like you know late nineties, early thousands. You know he'd be wearing his like cool like a lot of squash shoes <laughs> and his like blue jeans, and he'd wear like just like a plain black chesty bonds like t shirt and mm. was like super jacked. That's what Piper was wearing. <laughs> exactly what he was sort of telling me in that era he's the overbearing dad who wants you to think he's cool because he went to the local (laughs) market and got a bootleg shirt made with tasmanian devil you know and it's like look kids it's the tasmanian devil and they're like shut up dad we like this it's like like, no but it's like one of those weird t-shirts you see like the vic market you know it's like john Cena with like (laughs) like you know like superstar written underneath And he was wearing his wrestling boots. Like, yeah, see, kids, dad was a wrestler. Don't forget that. <laughs> yeah. But now, look, going on, going to the match, though, like, this is actually a very good match. And the thing that blows my mind is the first time that Macho Man and Bret Hart have ever, like, actually been in the ring together. So, considering the years that they spent together at WWF, how sad is it that, um, you get Bret on his WCW run where he's kind of like not really into it, and Macho Man, whose knees are pretty completely done and dusted right now. Yeah, it's a shame what could have been. The rumor was that, you know, Savage wanted to work with Bret in the WWE to help put him over. We could have got that match at maybe WrestleMania 9, but instead we got Yoko and Bret and Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And the powder. It's and funny. Mr. Fuji. It's funny when you go back to it, it's funny when you go back to the um Macho Man's late WWF run because he also wanted to do a, a program with Shawn Michaels and there's yeah. one match that they did on like a UK show that hasn't been released but you can see footage of like you know one of those little highlights packages that you get on YouTube so it looks good yeah, it's crazy that yeah it really does look good but, um, but yeah, that's look- alright they gave him you know a match at Wrestlemania 10 against Crush why wouldn't <laughs> Savage be happy with that why would he go to WCW yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I gotta say too, Brett's actually building quite a good WCW resume here. Like his ma- his match quality has been phenomenal. He's he's having the match of the night on every card. He's still got it. Really, you like this that much, but you didn't like Dragon and Guerrero. 
I'm no, really but shocked. like, no, but like, at least with this one, Brett is still like he's still committed yeah, to no, he, like he, the the craft a little bit. He hasn't quite yet phoned it in. Yeah, and it's not quite WrestleMania versus the Miz sort of uh, level here. <laughs> but um, uh, there's action that spills onto the outside as well. Brett is really being like you know. The, the the 1980s heel, you know, like, oh, the audience stinks, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I thought it was like, I, I did like this too. Like, he does even like a, his own version of the cocky pin, you know, where he puts just one knee down rather than hook the leg. Like, there's so many little bits of psychology. And you could see why, as I was watching this match, I was like, you could see why guys like Punk and FTR just absolutely love Bret Hart. Yeah, it was pretty damn good. I mean, it was good, like, if this is the only Brett and Savage match we get, at least it was pretty good. I could have done without some of the Hogan interference at the end. Oh, yeah. And the weird-looking Hogan as well. Was he missing his... Yeah, he was missing the Mo. It was kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. it was It was all like, it was all black. Just the stubble, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you what, he was offensively dark yes hand <laughs> like borderline offensive did you notice too after he interfered oh we should point out too miss elizabeth comes out first before hogan but did you did you love how hogan does the the real pantomime villain i'm gonna sneak away and like, <laughs> oh, crawl back. he crawled back down the aisle and that they showed it on a replay too fantastic again hulk hogan as a cartoon villain is great it is so good. Can I just say the the finish was kind of cool, and I really like. I think my one of my favorite parts of the match was Piper checking Macho's hands and calling the match from that. Like it was just those little intricacies that I really liked. What what was that thing? That was it a knuckle duster? Uh, it, I think it, it looked was like, like it. just taped up nothing. Just you know, old fashioned yeah. foreign object. You know, they'd get a piece of tape and roll it up. I think that worked before there were cameras and close-ups. You could get away with it. But here, but you know in this it, era, we can see it's nothing. But do you know what it looked like? It, it, it reminded me of, you know, those little stretchy bands that like, um, you know, like Gabriel Eros uses to get a pump before. <laughs> like, it, just looked like, it just looked like a little bit of those things. <laughs> yeah, pretty, I'm sure that's what they used. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, so basically, because I've just put like, Loaded question mark, question mark, question mark. Um, yeah, but yeah, Hogan comes out, takes out Savage. Brett then completely unloads a stack load of loogies on Randy Savage as he leaves. Oh, it was gross. He spat like, to the, so much in his face. To the Yeah, it was just absolutely crazy. So, so uh, yeah, come on, Brett, like lift your game. I love how like, like saliva is the biggest heel in WCW. <laughs> That's one oh, no, of Brett's special moves. Between t- spitting on Sean at SummerSlam 97 and this, I don't want Brett spitting at me. Like, he is the sharpshooter of spit. Like, he'll get you right hmm. in the face. No, yeah. Nim, Nim Saliva, the biggest heels of early 2000s WWF. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't you don't you dare say they did some banging themes in 2002. <laughs> Superstar in Wrestle, at WrestleMania 18 and always at Survivor Series 2002. All right, let's get to the main event of the show. And Michael Buffer, the first thing I've written here, as you can see, Michael Buffer with a nice payday. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so it is the Outsiders with Dusty Rhodes, and uh, they make their entrance first. And can we just take a moment to appreciate just how clean the slamboree entrance is for that little doorway? I love it. Like it's very, it's perfect. <laughs> like there's it's completely seamless. It, whoever designed it, top shelf work there by the WCW uh, carpentry department. I like to think that it was delivered in one big piece. Uh, I like to think it was worked on by Tim. I like to yeah. think it was worked on by Tim the Toolman Taylor. Yeah, just with <laughs> just with a jigsaw, like oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh no, I've killed Wilson. Back to prison for me again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Um, so yeah, the, this this is also the first appearance of Scott Hall in quite a while, and he's supposedly in the Wolf Pack. Uh, he does a survey time to start off, and the crowd goes ballistic for it. Is this one of the first times that we see, is this one of the first of many Paul White heel turns? Because is this the last heel turn that he does? I was so confused when the Giant came out in an NWO shirt again. Is this it though? I think you might be right. I think he joins the NWO one more time because where are we? What, we're in May 98? He's gone Mm -hmm. by the end of the year, I think. Yep. Oh, I see w- is he WWF right in there? He debuts uh, in February, so February at St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Long hair or bottle shaved? Long. No, long hair. He had he had basically he had long hair for all of '99 and 2000. He cut it short, and then he's had it short until he's until he left in '07, didn't he? Yeah, and can I just say that reminded me when he first cut it short, like there's no explanation and he goes backstage on Raw to yell at Triple H because he believes he won the Royal Rumble and Triple H with just one of those vicious lines he can put out that will just ruin a guy's character. He looks at Big Show and he's like, calm down, Gomez, because Big Show also (laughs) has like a fancy mustache and it's like, okay, you've just ruined the Big Show. Like, so... (laughs) Uh, yeah, so Giant is back in the NWO. And is it just me or does Sting, when Sting comes out, he looks like when you've just agreed to meet one of your friends in a cafe, but you got there early and you don't know where they're sitting? Because he just <laughs> comes out with just looking really, really confused. Great shape, though. He's in fantastic shape. He's looking better. He still looks a bit awkward, like he doesn't really want to be there. And obviously, for obvious reasons, nothing has really gone his way on pay-per-view no. since making his big return, except his match with Scott Hall, which, you know, we gave credit to. Mm. Scott Hall did a great job. I'm going to give Scott Hall credit again here. Scott Hall, I've written that down too. Kevin Nash, and even Dusty Rhodes in just how he was selling things, they do God's work, and at least they put in effort to try and make Sting look good. For sure, absolutely. Like Sting, I've just written down here: Sting and Hall, fantastic combinations. Like, and the crowd is actually hot for this match. They are just all over it. Um, Yeah, what's up with Hulk Hogan being the one out of the NWO who just didn't want to do anything for Sting? It's more glaring when you compare that Starcade match with these matches. It's not, hey. You can't put it all on Sting because Nash and Hall were putting in the effort. Very much so. And and the thing is too, like you also forget like, so Owen, you'd be more used to the big shows and maybe like he, the later end of the big show sort of career. Have you ever seen a yes. big man this agile? Because Paul, like the giant 
very agile as a competitor. Oh, he's amazing. What are they, what are they Billy Maz, 550? Something along the and lines, yeah. He moves, like, he moves like a gazelle. He's ama- like, I'm very impressed. And then, yeah, you know, the lady you see him, he's just kind of like, you know, blah, 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 like, kinda like just like toddles around like a giant baby. But um, like, no, I'm very impressed with um. Oh, I've been impressed since I've seen uh, Giant uh, in nine since '96. But no, I this match was pretty good. Like, it was odd, but it was good. I did um, like I did like um the visual in itself of like there, there's a great bit where uh, Giant does a bear hug on Kevin Nash and sort of powers him through it. Like Kevin Nash, that's the only time I've ever seen him look like a normal human, like a normal sized human. Yeah, um, I also love um, uh, Scott Hall's selling of the Stinger Splash is the best. <laughs> yeah, Scott Hall just gets it. Like he like and God rest his soul. Like he just it's such a shame that he had uh, so many personal demons because like that's, he was everything that was good about like, you know, professional wrestling. Like his character was great and he gave back as we ad nauseum said, uh, like he makes Sting look like a million bucks. So when Kevin Nash does as well, mm. and same thing with the giant, I reckon Kevin Nash has been a bit more generous with the giant after almost paralyzing him. So it's like my bad dude. So just manhandle me all you want. Don't break my neck. Yeah, it felt like that since their last match when Giant came back. Nash was like, all right, man, yeah, I'll bump around for you. I'll do this and that. <laughs> and man, Big Show or Giant going for a Hogan leg drop. I think he hits a drop kick at one point and then he goes for a top rope splash. Like, yeah. what a beast. Did you see as he's climbed the top rope, everyone, the entire crowd <laughs> stands to their feet. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's an awesome visual. We are we are missing one devastating move that he hit. The devastating butt thrust into the groinal region <laughs> of Kevin Nash. He just pops his ass back and he hits him straight in the sack. And I pop for it so much. Twice! Like, it's what's that like, gonna do? It's just like, yeah, mate, like just remember, you almost paralyzed me. Cop this. <laughs> <laughs> Don't feel anything. Um. Now here's an interesting thing too. So, um, so the, the finish is Hall turns on Nash and smacks him in the back of the head yeah, with uh, with the title belt. Now you might have seen like Kevin Nash went down like a like a sack of you know what, um, because Kevin Nash was legitimately concussed by that belt shot. Really? Yeah. Like you might be thinking, like that's incredible selling. No, no, he <laughs> actually gets concussed. No like, way. Like Hall clocks him. Wow. Okay, that I yeah. didn't notice. I thought Nash was just, you know, putting the extra effort in for his mate. No, no. Uh, <laughs> Scott Hall put in a bit of extra effort <laughs> with the swing. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it is... I think you sort of mentioned it pretty... Uh, you summed it up pretty well there, Owen, with it's mayhem. That's all this match is. It's mayhem. It's kind it of... It's pretty chaotic. Uh, it, it's not really like... It's not a wrestling classic by any means, but the crowd is hot for it. The story is great. And... The, the, the only sour point of it is the nonsensical whole um, turning on Nash part. Mm. It doesn't make any sense, especially when you can see how the story goes on. I hated that as a kid, and I hate watching it back as an adult. Scott mm. Hall not being part of the cool wolf pack who, you know, I, I don't care what anyone says, had a really fun run, and they were super over. 
Scott mm. Hall would have added so much to it, but yet he was lumped in with the black and white NWO, who without Nash and I, you know, even without Conan, sort of without any sense of actual coolness, just looked yeah. like losers, you know. Instead, I always thought, I always thought Nash. I always thought Nash was Wolfpack. Oh, sorry, um, Hall was Wolfpack. He was no, part of he, the original Wolfpack. If you're talking Nash. Hall six. and six, that kind yeah. of subversion. But once they become an official faction, Hall is black and white, and it's so frustrating. And That's and so weird. And the NWO Hollywood, like at the time. So you've got like you look at the Wolfpack. You've got Macho Man. You've got um, Conan, uh, Lex Luger, Sting, Sting, and Kevin Nash. They're all pretty cool. They're all pretty cool. Whereas you look at the NWO black and white, they've got Hogan, they've got Hall, they've got Scott Steiner, and then you get really into like the dregs. You got Stevie Ray, you've got Crush, you got Vincent. Like it's it's chalk and cheese. <laughs> and really bad chalk as well. We'll put it that way. But um, yeah, it, it, it ends on... And the one cool thing though at the end, Giant gets the pin, but Sting just basically stands out like a statue with the WCW title on as they're just pleading with him. Come on, Sting, join the NWO. Like it's it's such a weird end to the pay-per-view. But one thing I did uh, want to go on. I was gonna say then just cuts off. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, Simon, is this the first WCW pay-per-view that doesn't have credits at the end? Yeah, it oh, did. The one we watched the other week when oh, we we're out of time, we're gonna go and it just cut. But it Mate. still rolled to credits. Did it? I did too. Okay. Oh, I can't remember now, but there was one the other week when I was like, oh, we're going to go. <laughs> Maybe they've given know. up on the credits because do they do they continue that through the whole run? I don't no, think they this, do. Yeah. This is the, uh, because World um, Spring Stampede or roll credits at the end. They didn't do it for um, Slamboree. It just abruptly ends with the little super at the bottom and they're done. Maybe that's it. So uh, a, a bit of a change, a bit of a change in the wind there. But yeah, when we take into account the entire pay-per-view as a package, what did we think of that one? Now, Simon, now that you've got, we've done the deep dive into it. How did it sort of stack up? There are some good matches. I think Benoit and Finley, DDP and Raven, uh, and Goldberg and Saturn, and even Dragon and Guerrero, plus the Battle Royal with the amazing Dean Malenko segment and match. There's enough here that's entertaining. And the paper, the main event, even though it's real quick, there's a lot of action in it. It's pretty fun. It's good. It wasn't a bad show. There, I think I feel like for the first time in a couple months, there's more good matches than bad. Very much so. Yeah, like probably. you, like unfortunately for you, and you've really had the bad end of the stick when it comes to WCW. Yeah, you guys really have shafted me. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, look, yeah, there. If we if we go by the the uh, ratio of good matches to bad and good segments to bad, then clearly this there is more good than bad in this pay per view. But um, it it's, it just sucks for WCW that when they do put out a good pay per view, the WWF one just blows out of the water. Unfortunately, yeah. And also, when you hype up a pay per view saying it's going to be the most important in wrestling history. You've shot yourself in the foot. Because this was good, but it wasn't that. Yeah, exactly. So we'll quickly run through what we thought our um, our uh, 
best on ground. Best on ground. What do we call it? MVP. That's <laughs> yeah. it. What, what what do we call our MVPs for the uh, for the night, guys? We'll start off with you, Owen. Oh, um, uh, just a quick special mention to uh, Dusty Rhodes rocking the the div the, the Division Two Suburban Footballer haircut. <laughs> um, the shaved table little ducktail mullet. Very big fan of that one. Um, my I can't believe I'm saying this. My MVP goes to Chris Jericho. Yeah. Yes, actually, definitely. Yeah, Chris Jericho for the WCW online pay, um the online promo he did was great. The the ring introductions were the greatest thing I've seen so far watching WCW pay-per-views and the match itself was great. Like he and even 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 his acting when he was standing on stage watching that match. Yep. Like like when he was drinking his cup of coffee was brilliant. So yeah, Chris Jericho First time I've given him MVP for this one. What about you, Simon? I'm going to agree and say Chris Jericho. What a one-man performance. And also Dean Malenko, who's won our MVP many times back in the day. Uh, Give it to either one of them, but Jericho especially. The introduction, the acting with the coffee, the match. If you didn't know he was going to be a superstar after this, then you you were crazy. Or you were Eric Bischoff, I guess. Or you (laughs) were... I tell you what, I can't wait to see what Eric Bischoff's uh, latest tirade will be on 83 weeks. Um, I got to, I get to agree with you guys because, like, let's face it, if you had to pick one thing out of this entire pay per view to tell someone to watch, it is hands down the cruiserweight battle yeah, royal. Absolutely. Or if they've only got two minutes, tell them to watch the crush Lex Luger match, <laughs> uh, particularly if you don't like said person. But um, I look. It was a, it was a, I was gonna, I was gonna say it was a stellar pay per view, but it was a good pay per view from WCW, and they definitely bounced back after a couple of uh, rather shady efforts. But yeah, next up on Reliving the War, it is going to be King of the Ring 1998, and because it is one of the marquee pay per views, Owen will be joining us on Woo! that pay per view as well. Yeah, uh, and this is like a really important historic event, one, isn't it? It certainly is. It's it's it features Undertaker versus Mankind, Hell in a Cell, and Kane versus um, Stone Cold Steve Austin for the WWF Championship in a first blood match. Shenanigans the law. It? it is first blood because oh, is this that is this that first blood match? Because yeah, <laughs> Kane obviously is covered head to toe. How is he gonna bleed? Vince McMahon is pulling the strings. This is just great, great stuff. Uh, yeah, it's, this it's is the match, honestly, when, you know, for 20 years or whatever it's been, when people say, hey, have you seen the Hell in a Cell match? This is the one, you know, it's Undertaker and Mankind and it is insane. I haven't seen that match in full in forever. So I'm looking forward to this. I actually don't, th- I think the last time I watched this match was on VHS. Like, gonna be good. Uh, so it'll be very, very good to revisit that. But yeah, yeah the first time you've seen this in high definition, Nims. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be for sure. Yeah, seeing ninety-eight pay-per-views in uh, in actual good definition and not long play because that's how we used to get by back in the day of squeezing those extra couple of pay-per-views uh, is remarkable. But yes, uh, on behalf of Simon and Owen, I've been Nims Resort. This has been Reliving the War. If you want to catch up on the archives, you can do so by going to greywolfentertainment.net. But keep your eyes and ears on our socials at greywolfent on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we'll catch you next time for King of the Ring 1998.
This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network. GreyWolfEntertainment.net.